Welcome to the Real View podcast, where Ohio realtors connect you to innovators and influencers, keeping you with the real view of real estate. Whether you're a broker, agent, first time home buyer, industry leader, or just happen to stumble upon our podcast today, you can expect to hear tips, tools, tricks, interesting information, and so much more from the experts in Ohio's real estate game. Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode of the Real View Podcast. I'm your host, Allison Wiley. Joining me today is Greg Erlanger and Mike Zincola, who head up the Easy Sales team, Keller Williams Citywide in Cleveland. Thank you guys for joining me today. Thrilled to be here. So we're really excited to have you both joining us today. One of the best in the business, if not the best in the business at what you guys do. We will get into all of the accolades in a little bit, but we're going to start it off with our signature question that we ask all of our guests who join us on the podcast. Since this podcast is called The Real View, we ask our guests, what is the best view that you've ever seen? Mike will be more interesting than me, but (laughs) we'll go ahead first then. No. Okay. The best view I have ever had ever was on a cruise in the Greek Isles. And we were pulling up to Santorini, Ojai Santorini. And that's the part of Greece, you know, when you see the blue domes. Yeah. And everything was white with these blue domes. And it was this gorgeous, sunny day. And we were just so thrilled that we were in this part of the earth. Everyone should go to Santorini sometime in their life because it's simply beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, that's that's one of the ones on the bucket list for me, for sure. All the photos I've seen, you know, sounds exactly like how you described. So it sounds beautiful and how amazing that you were able to experience that. And what a nice memory and a nice view. Thank you. And uh, yeah, so see why I wanted him to go first. So anyway, <laughs> as the as the blue curtains pulled uh, apart and as I was standing on the 17th floor of Aria, the strip of the Vegas strip appeared to yes. me. And I'm kidding. Anyway, uh, no, um, no, obviously I have, I have one son. And uh, of course, when I saw him for the first time, so you really can't beat that. Yeah. See, now you sure. did beat me. Bam. <laughs> we're not, com- we're me. not competitive at all. We're literally competing about the view. <laughs> I love it. I love it. No, there, we had um, one of our staff members on Beth. She's our director of government affairs. She was joining us on an episode and she's like, oh my gosh, I feel like the worst mom ever because my kids were not my best view. <laughs> and um, I hope she doesn't mind me sharing that. But yeah, it was funny. She was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I didn't say that. But Vegas Strip is a sec- is a really close second. Don't tell my son that, but yeah. <laughs> it is very cool. A non-family best view would be Vegas. So yeah, love it, love it. Okay, cool. Well, I want to hear about you guys. Introduce ourselves. You know, like I said, you're, you're the best in business, um, obviously many years in the real estate industry, but I want to hear a little bit about you both, how you got started in real estate, what made you want to do this as a career? Uh, tell us about that. Let's see. So grew up in Columbus, graduated from Ohio University. Both my parents were educators and teachers. So I was always, quite frankly, jumping to the other side, looking for ways to make large sums of money. I was very money motivated as I was, you know, going through college because both my parents, obviously, when you're educators, you're changing lives, not necessarily changing your bank account. So jumped into sales in corporate America for 10 years, used a lot of that to start purchasing real estate and realized that my wealth was being built out of real estate, not out of my paycheck. Read a book, uh, Robert Kiyosaki, right? He does the multiple streams of income, 
quadrant, understanding that you really independent contractor investor is, is a greater opportunity than being an employee for wealth creation. So bought a bunch of rental properties, realized that, understood that was my passion, became a realtor, sold 8.6 million my first year and decided this was probably a good thing for me. Yeah. And that was back in 2004. You know, it just helped other investors and help people start to, you know, create wealth. Fast forward, Mike and I, big team, growth. And at this point, I'm sort of coming back around to where my parents were, which is education. And I'm a coach for Glover U, which is he's a coaching company out of the state up north. And then I'm also a business coach at uh, Keller Williams in Dublin, Ohio. And then just love coaching our team. We've got over 160 agents and just being a part of that and educating. And now I'm not money motivated. Now it's really more about um, those folks. So that's from start to finish. Um, I missed my middle school years on that. Sorry about that. <laughs> we didn't go back to kindergarten. Oh. <laughs> I went to London Park IGE, individually guided education. Miss <laughs> Brettlinger was my favorite teacher. Okay. <laughs> there we go. Thank you. That was awesome. Mike, tell us. Okay. I started at Ascension Elementary School. No. <laughs> I, I went to Bowling Green, got my undergrad in economics. I went to law school at Ohio State, and for 17 years, I practiced law, wow. and I was never happy with it, and I was a sufficient attorney. My suggestion to everyone is don't go into a career where you're sufficient. Be good at something. And so I needed to have something that was, I was passionate about, and so in 2000, I got a real estate license, went to Realty One. I was the rookie of the year for the company that year. I actually made a lot of the deals that I did that first year were from divorce attorney friends of mine. Wow. And I, and I developed a whole practice of divorce real estate. <laughs> in 2004, this young guy comes around and he, he's in my office and we wound up doing some deals together those first few years. And we really figured out that we worked well together. And so in 2008, we moved over to Keller Williams, which expanded our minds and we just shot up to the top. And as Greg said, he's, he's a coach. I'm not an official coach, but my real goal here in my business now, because we are at a point where uh, money isn't a concern, my biggest desire is to help the people on my team succeed beyond their wildest dreams. That's what we get up and do every day. I love that. That was going to be one of my next questions is how you guys met and decided to do this together. So thanks for touching on that. Greg, do you want to add anything about your guys' decision to kind of do this together and, and what led you to want to do that? Sure. Yeah. Back in 2008, well, 2004, 5, 6, 7, 8, I, it's a while ago. So <laughs> I'm not sure how old you were when I'm speaking these years. So sorry, that's why you're laughing at us. But no, no, not at all. It's okay. <laughs> what was happening is um, there was a commercial opportunity and commercial, as we know, is a different beast. And a lot of California investors were coming in to the uh, Cleveland and actually all of Ohio, Columbus, Cincinnati, and uh, finding that they could get higher cap rates and better cash on cash return on their investment. They won't get the appreciation, but they were getting they were getting a lot of, we're starting to see that again right now. But anyway, so they came in busloads and they wanted to buy commercial buildings, 20, 40 unit apartment buildings. We did a, a large uh, grouping of buildings up to $17 million worth of just commercial property. Now that's a different beast. And I met a guy named Mike Sinicola who has his law degree and understood 
together we grew and we did 1031 exchange you know we were doing all of that good stuff and and understanding how to underwrite uh, commercial properties etc so he and i started doing these tours together with these california investors and after a few years realized that we really complemented each other in a, a myriad of ways and whereas i was on technology innovation the marketing side of it that was my you know minor i was communications minor out of ohio university and then on on the other end it was okay you got a really angry attorney who's yelling at some other angry attorney and then mike somehow you know makes them all work together and we make a paycheck at the end of the day so we're like that's really good we um jumped over to keller williams um after going well in in uh what we realized is uh, Gary Keller actually said it. He said, hire your weakness. And mm -hmm. we were already partnering sort of just out of the way life works sometimes. And we realized, wow, let's hire each other. And and and, um, and, and I would flip it and say, let's hire our, you know, like we have our strengths and then our weaknesses and, and together, you know, it's really worked out well. He's sort of the emotional component of the folks. I'm more of the visionary driver like collectively we make the decisions together and we create ideas and solutions together mike's a great problem solver like when i got into real estate the first thing i said is i will be the number one realtor in the state of ohio and that's what i said in 2004 and that's a visionary concept and now we're going to be the number one real estate team in the united states of america that is our stated goal and with that though you can't do that without a partnership or a team it was our first taste of partnership it worked and now what we're doing is acquiring more talent, again, contributing to some of our weaknesses or the things we don't like to do. And that's how our team continues to grow. So the partnership was the beginning, but now we continue to partner with talent and grow. Our different strengths made the combination of the two of us an unfair advantage in the marketplace. <laughs> Between the two of us, we are one incredible team leader. We both lit up. We were both doing over 10 million. Mike was doing like 16 million with, um, he had a smaller team. It was kind of, he had sort of that individual agent with a smaller compact team, but he was doing 16 million. I had a little bit larger team, I think of four people or so, but I was doing, you know, 12 million. And we looked at each other like, what if we combine that? Like how unfair would that be? You know, and Keller Williams actually supports that, the growth of teams and, 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 and that's, they're really more into business building and empire building. So we surrounded ourselves in that environment. And for that, it's just perpetuated our growth. And, you know, that brings up a good point. I mean, you guys have been in partnership and business for so long, and sometimes it's not always an easy road to go down. I mean, how you kind of touched on some of the things that makes it work, but how have you maintained such a great relationship and a great working relationship for all these years? First of all, yes, when there's two people leading something like this, there are going to be differences of opinions. But I don't think that we've ever lost respect for one another. Mm -hmm. And we also know that each one of us has areas that they're better at. And so a lot of times we acquiesce in those areas if we're the other person. So we both hired therapists and we have <laughs> we have, you know, those yeah, therapy dogs and things like that in the office, but no, we no. You know, you can go fast alone and you can go far together. I know you've heard that before, but it's so true. You cannot, you cannot succeed alone. I mean, n yeah. no society can, no company can. The interesting thing about real estate is realtors are taught, you know, generally speaking, but I think by brokers, obviously every brokerage, even Keller Williams makes more money if everyone's an individual. So they're not perpetuating the idea of teams because if you combine and smash five people together, that's less money for the broker, right? But the homeowner wins because you have division of labor, you have more money, more skill set, more talent. And so what we've done is really merge those 
and everybody wins. The homeowner wins. Uh, Mike and I win because it's a leverage point. It would, literally, we know exactly what we don't want to do, and the other person does it. You see, you know what I mean? Like when it comes to tech, Mike doesn't touch our website, our SEO, our video, our all that stuff. When somebody comes to me and says, oh, this, 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 I don't know, somebody, somebody said uh, slip and fell in a house or somebody wants to sue us or whatever. Yes, you have a broker, but when you're doing 1400 units a year, it's nice to have somebody to answer those questions pretty quick and diffuse those. And that's what Mike's fantastic at. Here's the beautiful thing. If Greg was a team leader by himself, he could do those things. He could handle those. I had a bad inspection questions. And if I had to, well, I probably could hire, hire somebody. I could hire somebody to do tech. <laughs> yeah. But this allows Greg to do what he's passionate about. And it allows me to do what I'm passionate about, which is the practice of real estate and making agents better at the practice of real estate. And to answer your question very succinctly, the longevity and the success we've had since 2008 is because we're both doing what we like to do. We're not really working. This episode of The Real View is brought to you by the Ohio Association of Community Colleges. Ohio's network of community colleges provides accessible training that accommodates the busy lifestyles of aspiring real estate professionals at half the price of a traditional university. With convenient locations in every part of the state, as well as online options, Ohio's community colleges are your smart choice for pre-licensing education. For more details or to start the journey to a real estate career, visit the education page at ohiorealtors.org and then click on the pre-license course locations. Well, it sounds like you guys have just, you know, really found a way to work well together, balance each other out. That's awesome. So speaking of all this wonderful success you've achieved, the President Sales Club Award in both team dollar volume category and team transaction credit category in 2020. You've won those awards in previous years also. How do you do it? How do you continue to perform at the top, especially? And then this is kind of going to be a two-part question that I want to hear how this year was different. It was a pandemic. We know, everyone knows, you know, what we've been experiencing in the past 11, 12 months. How did you do it during a pandemic year? How have you done it all of these years? And then how did you do it again during a pandemic year? Well, first of all, we actually increased our volume 37% during the pandemic year. Wow. And how we did is that we had a good platform to start. We had value propositions that set us apart from other people. So we had a leg up. And I'm gonna let Greg talk because one of the key things is what we did with technology and marketing. And then I'll come back and talk about what else we did in on top of that. Yes. The two part question, the first part, and then I'll jump into on, on the heavy side of the innovative and, and the mindset for the pandemic, but it's all about the foundation of the team or the business that you're growing in real estate. If you're an individual realtor, two person team or a 20 or 50, or we're a 160 person team, because again, we represent not just easy sales team, but we're also a uh, capital Ohio sales team in Columbus. We're preferred Ohio sales team in Cincinnati, select Ohio and premier Ohio. And we also have an expansion team in Philly. Just open champion. And we just opened Champion. Thank you out of Dublin, my KW Consultants office. So we actually have seven teams. But anyway, all of that started with, quite frankly, our pillars of success, which is a focus on the homeowner first. For example, no service admin fee. Multiply whatever your service admin fee is, your brokerage, and multiply that by 1,400 transactions. And you'll see 
how we are truly backing up our customer focus with about a half million dollars worth of savings for the Ohio homeowner. And they appreciate that. That doesn't go away year after year after year. The ability to trust us to focus on consumer and have a fiduciary to the homeowner, which is what OAR is all about. And that's what our whole focus is, right? It's backed up by the financials that we bring to the table. So that's that's why we're still here and that's why we're gonna continue to grow. During the pandemic, that was sort of a different experience for all of us. And on the very first day, we made an absolute statement to the entire team that we will survive, we will win, and we are gonna work our butts off this year. We are not gonna take our eye off the ball. We were very fortunate in 2019, came up with Easy Media Productions, Gary Keller, and I want you guys to all hear this. He talked about vertical integration. When you have a business that sells a bunch of houses, what other businesses, lawn care, shoveling, wallpaper, staging, photography, we came up with media production. What other business can you vertically integrate and actually create a profit center off of with the business? So multiple streams of income. Why only get money as a realtor? Why not make money, title, mortgage, media, moving companies, flipping houses, buying investment properties, et cetera. So ours was media, which was very fun for me as an innovation to create amazing video because obviously with, you know, YouTube's not going away anytime soon. So we did that. And what happened when the pandemic came out, it became, and we had the Matterport and we had the drone and all of that stuff tied together because we were really, we believe, leading the industry as far as innovation and tech and video. But what happened with COVID is no one could leave their house. You had to be able to experience a home in a neighborhood without actually going there physically. And that's where our innovations became everyone's expectations. Couple that with our mindset where we were not going to stop because we knew we were going into a tunnel totally black. We were going to go as fast and as hard as we could until the light appeared at the end of the tunnel. And that's exactly what happened. So I think Mike and I's leadership through that time was a huge part of that. I know a lot of people in states. And by the way, thank you, Ohio Association of Realtors, for helping us become essential in the state of Ohio, because we do have a team out in Pennsylvania, right? And there's nothing there. It's dead. Like we sold three houses and we just hope and pray for them because they have their governor is not allowing them to literally leave the house. It's insane. That was just going to be my my other thing is, you know, what what did you think when Ohio deemed realtors essential? You know what? That that was huge. And the ability, you know, to keep working and keep making all these wonderful things that you're mentioning happen. I mean, we were lucky that our governor, you know, recognized that. And yeah, it was huge. Right. So while well. Greg and the media team were doing all of those things. The other part of it and how we got people going was we were making care calls to our agents because what we found was agents were afraid to go do things. Mm -hmm. And so their response was to sit at home and watch a Schitt's Creek uh, marathons, (laughs) you know? And so it was really key to get them off the couch and how we had to do that. And we set protocols on how to list and how to sell safely. Again, it was one of those things where between the two of us, we were able to concentrate on what we did best. And we got our people back up and we had the marketing and we had the technology to do it. And once we did that, we just kept moving forward. And that's a great example where Mike and I are different. So I'm basically the driver saying, we're going to win, we're gonna work our butts off, it's gonna happen. And did you hear how Mike, I can't do the phone call where they're crying saying, what do I do? What do I do? I say, call Mike and he will make you feel better after an hour and a half consultation and and care call. 
And so I didn't make too many of those care calls. I'll be honest. That was all Mike. I was over on the flip side trying to, you know, get our Matterport machines into homes and getting people out and, you know, creating a, uh, an environment that was safe for them. But do you see how both were needed? Yeah, Absolutely. but you need both or else, yeah, there would have been very low retention. People would have got out of the business. They would have left. They wouldn't have felt that I cared because my focus was on task-oriented, driver-innovated, like the um, implementation of the vision that we came up with. Yeah, well, this is a really good lead-in to the next thing I want to talk about is both of your leadership styles. And I, I'm hearing as you as you were talking about, you know, things that Mike does and then things that, Greg, that you do. Talk a little bit more about your leadership styles and how you think that's helped you find success and your agents find success. When we started, we saw a leadership style that both of us agreed was the way to go. And it's servant leadership. Mm -hmm. So on our org chart, Greg and I are not at the top of the org chart. The agents are on top of the org chart. And everything flows from all of our admins and our media and our coaches through Greg and I to the agents. It's like a restaurant. Is it really a privilege to go and sit down at Longhorn? Or is it a privilege for the owner to invite these consumers into their restaurant where they're going to spend money and keep him and him or her in business, correct? So mm -hmm. brokerages and teams need to understand that it is a privilege to allow these independent contractors to come and be a part of their team and make them money or leverage their business, right? So we treat it as such. If we don't give these agents what they want, they will fire us, okay? Mm -hmm. And I don't believe many teams or brokers speak that way. They act as if it's a privilege for them to be there, a part of their brokerage. It's not. It's a privilege to have that agent with them. And it's all about creating a great value proposition for the agent. You can't set up a team and create a great value proposition for the team leader. Yeah. What advice would you give to other realtors or agents up and coming or, or maybe someone who wants to aspire to be and have what you all have right now? What advice would you give, give to them? on how to achieve similar success. Lock yourself in a room and first figure out what your value proposition is to your seller. Because everybody will win their aunt's house, their college roommate's house, their neighbor's house, but you don't become a successful agent until you sell strangers' homes. And if they're talking to you, they're talking to three other agents. How do you win that competitive listing? So the first thing you do is create a value proposition for that. Because if you look around in whatever community you're in, the big agents are big listers. So that's really key to success. And then that value proposition for the seller, if you have a strong one, becomes a value proposition for your agents because they get to use that at their listing presentations. So you start with that and then you figure out if you're starting a team because you want to make half a million dollars a year, and that's the only reason you're starting the team, try something else. Create a value proposition for your agents so that being on your team allows them to sell more homes. That's how you keep agents. Awesome. So to achieve the similar success, um, and this is super important, you have to surround yourself with people who have done what you want to do. Okay. You cannot be the smartest kid in the classroom. Do not be the biggest fish in the pond. Okay. Mm -hmm. That is so detrimental to only you. It's great for the ego, makes you feel really special. And, and that's the thing. I think in real estate, a lot of, I think ego is preyed upon, you know, as far as a manipulative influence and saying, come here and we'll make you feel special, or here's a billboard right. or the broker will do this or that for you. 
That's not development of yourself. That's not getting you to what I believe is God's plan for you. You have to surround yourself. You become the sum of the five people you spend the most time with in business, okay? So make sure those people, make sure you're purposeful, select them wisely. I don't even care if you lose money to be in their sphere. I don't care if you lose time because what you need to do is surround yourself with people that are better than you and be honest with yourself. And it might be in areas. And by doing so, it will lift you up. It will grow you. You'll become stronger. And for that, the business around you, to your point, how do you get this kind of success? That success will only grow to the extent that you grow yourself. And you've got to be disciplined about that. And that's that would be my advice. So true. Love that. You know, keep in mind that you're that you're not, you know, there's always room for improvement. You can always be learning, always be growing, always be getting better. Yeah, I love that. So a great example of that is last year what we, we sold 308 million. So you say, well, wow. But we belong to a group in the Keller Williams organization where we're eighth in the company in volume. The number one did 2.1 billion. Yeah. So, so we have people in our lives that we're aspiring to still as well. And if you're struggling to figure out who that is, right? I mean, there's a plethora of coaching companies. I personally have three coaches, right? We're doing pretty good, but I have three coaches. And Mike and I, I think we got our first coach maybe about eight or nine years ago. And there is no way we would be here without having that accountability partner. You know, he's talked to many other you know, large teams across the country and he's given us ideas. So yeah, it costs a little bit of money, but we've gotten that back literally a hundred times. Because a coach can take the 30,000 foot view of your business that you're in the weeds most of the time and you don't get to yeah. take that. And, and their observations are coming from a different perspective and they yeah. can help you focus into what you really need to improve to get to the level that you desire. If your broker or team leader or whatever is not coaching you, if they're not a business coach and helping you for everything from taxes to building a P&L and all of that stuff, find a coach because the coach is not motivated by the profitability of the office or the team or the outright. Their coach is only motivated. They basically have a fiduciary to you as a business development, right? Their job is to grow your business. So highly recommend a coach, but you can also surround from a free standpoint, surround yourself with people that are extremely successful. It will uplift your life. And be always willing to learn and grow. You know, I think there's so much like like it's easy when you achieve the success that you all have to say, all right, we're good. Like, that's it. Don't need to do, you know, anything more. So I think, you know, that that willingness to want to do better, to always be improving and to always grow in that humbleness, you know, when you achieve that success to remain humble and say, nope, I, I got more work to do. There is more um, that I can be better on and improve. I think that's super important. Greg and I just had that conversation last night about certain opportunities and how they're going to make us grow. Greg always says, if you're not growing, you're dying. Yeah. I know it sounds uh, trite, but yes, if you're not, <laughs> if your business is not growing, if you are not growing as a realtor, if you're stuck at 10 million year after year after year after year, you actually are dying because you are going to lose business. The innovations and the things that you're doing today will not help you five years from now. So you need to continue to grow and you can only grow by admitting to yourself that you don't know everything. We literally don't know everything. We're very fortunate. We're blessed. We're, we're where we are, but we want to keep growing. And OAR offers all kinds of educational opportunities. And for that, we appreciate you guys. Yeah, well, we appreciate you all too. Um, what amazing advice, insight, thoughts from you all. I'm sure 
our members will definitely take bits and pieces away from this. And anyone who's, you know, thinking about joining the real estate industry or maybe want to get their license. I mean, this is great advice that you guys shared today. I enjoyed this conversation so much. So thank you both for joining me. I am sure we will have you join us again soon and share more awesome information. But thank you both for your time today. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Real View. That wraps up today's episode. You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at ohiorealtors.org slash The Real View and on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Have questions, comments, or suggestions? We want to hear from you. Email us at podcast at ohiorealtors.org. We'll see you next time. This has been a Humble Pod production. Stay humble.